give you guys a chance to process some maybe some difficult information, okay, from the scripture and help you determine what to do about that. Life's a journey, and I've found when I've been walking on this journey um, that, that, that the road curves. As I travel, there's mountains and there's valleys. I've noticed that, 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 that there have been people who have come into my life particular periods of time, and some of them have stayed for a really long time. Others have left relatively quickly and early out of, out of the, 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 the journey together. Um, I've found that I've, I've showed up in certain people's lives at just the right time and have helped them walk through some things. And for whatever reason, the road takes another curve, and they go one direction, and I go another. And, and, and they're just things. They're, they're, there's, there's practices and thinking that I've had over time that have changed there's been all kinds of adversity and controversy and, and conflict that have, that, have, that have caused my life to, to be molded and shaped. And there's been just all sorts of things. But I, you know what I've found? There's one thing that keeps me located on center, man. There's this being called God, and he loves me. That's the one thing that has helped me walk through every bit of everything has sustained me in the difficult times, has propelled me forward in the, in the, in the, in the good times, has, di- has disallowed me from being stagnant and complacent. There's this, there's this idea that there is this God, and he loves me. There is this God, and he absolutely exists. Church triumphant, we, we sit here today, and um, next year would be a, a 200th anniversary birthday of a congregation of people meeting in this vicinity. 200 years. Church Triumphant seems all sorts of ups and downs, all sorts of ins and outs, all, all, all sorts of curves on the road, all sorts of things like that. We've had name changes. We've had leadership changes. We've even had things where practices and, and locations and things like that have changed, and we've somehow managed to keep going. We've, we've even uh, altered, you know, the way we, we dress around here. We, all sorts of things have changed. But the reason this ministry has been able to be a ministry that has withstood 200 years of service unto God is because we know there is this God, and he is true, and he is faithful, that he is everything, and everything that we know about faith has its basis in what we know about him. Everything that we do comes back to this one thing, that there is a God. Hebrews 11 tells us this, that if a person would come to God, he must first believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of of them who diligently seek him. So the the very starting line of everything we believe, doctrine is not something we like to talk about a lot. It gets kind of burdensome and bogged down, but sometimes we have to go back and consider what we believe and why we believe it. Very important piece of this puzzle is, is what we think, what we believe about God. What do the scriptures say about him? It is the one thing that will sustain us. You know, the church triumphant has had, all, has had times where we've had all sorts of, of good times and things have happened amazingly. We've had other times where things have been seeming lackingly, living out life. We've had abundance and we've had plenty. We've had, we've had lack and we've had need. We've had difficulty with disease and all sorts of other things. But you know what I know? I know that this God sustained us, sustained me, sustains you, sustains all of us. In the midst of controversy and conflict, we've had battles within, we've had battles without. We, 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 we've, we've, we've gone through all that sort of thing. But there's only one thing that matters. Him. Him. The salvation he offers. And one thing I intend to, to, to make sure is evident around here, so long as I get, to, get to, to be a part of this puzzle here at Church Triumphant, is that we never water down who he is. We never water down the salvation he offers us. Lots of other things can change. Lots of other things can go on. But, man, we cannot let that, that, that alter us. So, for that being said, I want you guys to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew. I didn't bother to find the, the, the page numbers for those of you who are new with us. So a few people who are good disciples already would help a person if they seem to be lost and help them find Ephesians chapter 4. That would be great. A few weeks ago, we started this thing with all these shapes, and some of you are trying to figure out what it's all about, and we don't have time to go into it right now. But I want to refer you back to this, this triangle right here. And the reason I want to do that is because 
One of the base ideas about God is that he draws us into relationship. That's what the triangle represents. That he calls us up to himself. He calls us into a body of faith, a family of faith, a community of believers. And he sends us out to involve more people into the community of faith, the table of God, the, 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 the thing. And so all of, our, all of our thinking will kind of revolve around that this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, reads like this. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a church in a town called Ephesus, and he writes to them, and he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, Paul's writing, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. We have a calling. We have a reason for existence. Each of us as individuals, all of us together. And that calling, that, that purpose, that leading of God is based in him, who he is. He be- Paul says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. He, he says, listen, this calling is found in the person of God. None of us can call ourselves into faith. I made a statement last week about uh, uh, people being, somebody, somebody said, one of the persons from the tank, man, if you missed last Sunday, oh my goodness. We had just the most, the most beautiful mornings I've ever had a privilege of being involved in ministry last Sunday morning. And somebody from, somebody from the tank said, when he found me, and I said something to the effect that they had their theology right because Jesus wasn't lost. Are you with me? I found Jesus. No, he was, he, he was never lost. He, he, he found you. you. You can't even come to him unless he calls you to himself. That's what, that's what, that, that, that's what Jesus, Jesus, that's Jesus' own words. I didn't choose you. You chose me. I didn't go through a whole list. Listen, we have a choice to make in that matter, but I'm telling you what, if you, if you, if you discovered salvation, it wasn't on your own accord. You, 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 you were drawn by the God of heaven, and he called you to himself, and you responded to his call. That's beautiful, man. Patrick and Leah, in a, in a few days, are going to already have him, are going to have a new person in their home. He's been there for quite some time, but officially, this month, he becomes a part of their family. There were a lot of babies that they could have had, but they got that one. They chose him. They adopted him, and now he will call Patrick, Daddy. He will call Leah, Mommy. You know why? Because their love reached beyond the gap that existed beyond between him and them. Is that cool? And that's what God does for us. That little boy could not have extended, could, could not have bridged the gap to get to Patrick and Leah. But Patrick and Leah had the resource and the ability and the training and all that stuff to reach beyond where that little fellow was and bring him into a new and bring him into a new place. And it starts because they are who they are. Our relationship with God starts because he is who he is. It starts because he is the one true God. He's the one called true and faithful. He's the one who was at the beginning is at the end. He calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's everything. And so everything we do at church, everything, the way we live life has to start right here, that we understand who he is. Our understanding about God will shape everything else. Ephesians 4, 4, Ephesians 4, 4 and through 6 reads like this, for there is one body, I want you to pay attention to certain words, and one spirit. Pay attention to that, one spirit. Just as you've been called into one glorious hope for the future, Verse 5 says, there is one Lord. Very important pieces of, grammatically, English-wise, there are very important pieces right here, okay? There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, okay? And, verse 6 says, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. To understand who God is, we've got to take some pieces of this puzzle here in Ephesians chapter 4 and understand that. One spirit, that is the, that is the Greek word pneuma. It is the base word for where God talks about the, 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 the scriptures being God breathed. There is one spirit, okay? One Holy Spirit of God. Are you hearing me so far? One, 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 one person called the Holy Spirit. 
There is one Lord. Now, this is a funny term. This is a term used in reference to Jesus many times throughout the Gospels. In the book, in the book of Matthew, I believe it is, no, John, chapter 6, there's a story where Jesus has drawn all these people close to himself. And then all of a sudden, he comes down with some hard theology. And he says something to the effect of, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And people freak out. This dude is a weird o. And a bunch of people who have been following Jesus to suddenly just take off. What is he talking about? Why? He was making an allusion to the fact that, 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 that one day he would give his whole life. He would institute this thing called communion that would, that would, repl- that would replicate him giving his whole life for his, for his creation. And they were thinking, dude, he wants his way like to, like, you know, get on a fork and spoon and, you know, go to town or something. And they're just trying to make sense of it. And they leave. Jesus looks at this, his remaining disciples, the 12 we'd call the apostles eventually, and, and he, he, he goes, well, you guys, you guys, you guys ditching me too? And Peter uses this word. He goes, Lord, same word, Ephesians 4. Lord, where would we go? You have the words of life. It's the word that's translated master many times. He, 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 he is the master. He's the one who, who dictates the, the confines of our lives. Talking, referring explicitly to the person of Jesus. Jesus at one point in, in Matthew chapter 12, I think it is, he, he's having a debate with the, 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 the Pharisees, and he makes this statement about himself. But, but let me read it correctly. For the son, of the, the son of man is Lord, same thing, even of the Sabbath. So right here we have one spirit, Numa, one Lord, Jesus, are you with me? And one, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, the word God there is the word theos, where we get the term theology. It's referring to, 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 to God and Father, talking about the Father, Father God, okay? So in, right in this piece of scripture, we, we, we recognize there's one spirit, one Lord, one God, one, one Father, okay? That is God. He's Jehovah. Our understanding of who he is develops everything but our doctrine. It is the base. Who God is is the basis of everything we believe. Our understanding of this enhances and illuminates what God's called us to be, our mission and our purpose. And it is the foundational structure. It's the foundation of what makes us who we are. If we miss this piece of the puzzle, everything else begins to become faulty. Everything else is, is, is unable to be, to, 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 to be secure. We cannot base life on it. If we miss this piece, we got problems. So that being said, we're, talking about, we're in the New Testament, all right, talking about one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father, right? Let's bounce back into the, into the Old Testament and take a peek at something. Many of you would, be, would, would know as, if you do, do very much with um, Jewish history and, and Messianic Jewish, there, there's, there's this thing called the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, you'll hear these words. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And in the New Living Translation, it says that. Then it puts in parentheses, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're, giving, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So here's what Moses is doing. Moses wrote these words. He's, given, he's giving the, the children of Israel a rehash of what God's called them to be, basically. Giving him, giving the re, re, reciting the law to them before he gets ready, he's getting ready to leave and check out. He's not crossing over into the promised land with them. This is like his last speech towards them. He said, Listen, before we go any place else, you have to understand this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord is one. Before you can understand anything else, he's telling them, you have to understand this. Once you understand who he is, give yourself wholeheartedly to him and then make sure everybody else surrounds you knows who he is. That's what this is saying. The word Lord there in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is this. The Lord, it's, it's the word Yahweh. It's, the, it's the, 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 the proper name, if you would, for God. It's written in the, in the Hebrew language Y-H-W-H, no vowels. It's called the mysterious name of God. In fact, the Hebrews were so intense about this particular particular name, they refused to say it. 
They found other names to insert because they were worried that they would take his name in vain. And they held him at such honor, at such value, with such glory, that they did not want to any way defame him. And so they tried to find some other thing to call him. They called him Adonai and El and all sorts of other things, trying to not defame his name, but acknowledging who he was, the mysterious name of God, Yahweh. The word God there in that same word, it's a different word altogether. It's, it's the Hebrew word Elohim. And I know, I know like some of you are going, dude, are, are we in like in a Greek and Hebrew class today? What is, I just came to church. I just want, listen, it's important you understand this. Okay? Listen. Make it as simple as I can. Elohim is another Hebrew word. It means the supreme God. But check this out. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. It is a plural term. It's plural the way it's written, but its intention is singular. So what are you saying? Hang with me, all right? You have Yahweh is Elohim. Are you getting that so far? Yahweh, the the proper name of of God, is the supreme God who is multiple yet one all at the same time. Ooh, is that good? And then they come back to the next thing. It goes, the Lord is one. This word one, it means unity existing in multiplicity. That's huge, man. God, it's the same word used in Genesis 2.24. Some of you you newly married people will enjoy this piece of the puzzle. Genesis 2.24 says this. It says, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one. Same term. Two people becoming one. They're multiple, yet they're one. They're, 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 they're two individual lives that come together to make one community, one family. Are you hearing me so far? It, this term one is used of a cluster of grapes in the Hebrew language. There's one cluster, but there are pieces that make up that cluster. Each of them are that cluster, but they're individual. They're, do you get that? They're distinct. Now, why am I going through all this to explain this to you? Just just hang on. Don't don't get lost, okay? He is one in essence. What we know about God according to Ephesians 4, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, he is multiple in his expression. He's in one in in his essence. There's three distinct roles in there. There's unity amongst this Godhead. Now listen, if there's not unity, we arrive at this thing called polytheism or tritheism where there are multiple gods. The scriptures do not tell us that. There is one God. Okay? But there's unity that exists in this thing called the Godhead. Because there's unity, we have one God. Now there's diversity. See, without this, we ended up a place called modalism where God kind of metamorphosizes or something at specific times. And, and some people, let me, let me say this, some people would like to equate God to, to this stuff right here. I'm going to take a drink while I'm at it. To water. You know, water is H2O. It's three parts of, you know, and it can be, it can exist in three different forms. It's, it can be a solid. It can be ice. It can be a liquid like water. It can be a gas like steam. The only problem with that is water can't be that all at the same time. Water cannot simultaneously be ice, liquid, and gas. It's an impossibility. But God can simultaneously be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at the same time. And he is a community. A community that, 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 is, that is selfless. They, have, they, have, they each play their own individual part, yet they, 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 they submit to one another. There's equality. See, if we don't have equality in this Godhead thing, we get, we get this idea that maybe like the Greek gods, you know, there was like, you know, uh, what was his name? Zeus. Then there was like, you know, uh, what was that dude? Perseus or whatever his name was. You know, he was kind of half and half. He, you know, he was kind of God, but he kind of wasn't. And what the Bible says this, Jesus was completely God. We get, Jesus is not a JV God. Jesus is completely God. 100% at his essence, he is God. At the same time, he was mutually submissive to both the Father and the Spirit. He took his cues from what the Father said, and he was empowered by the Spirit to do what, 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 what he was supposed to do. So there's this, there's, this, there's this unity and equality among them. 
They, they live in a place of mutual exaltation. You'll find God calling Jesus Lord, God the Father. And you'll find Jesus saying, I don't do anything except I see the Father doing it. You'll find that he says, listen, it's good for you that I go away because I'll send the Spirit. Or God also, the Father will send the Spirit. And that's like none of them take, take credit. All of them are willing to give honor and glory to the other one. They're willing to, to submit to one another. It's an amazing moment. They, they, they are completely, they are not, uh, God is love. He's the image we're made in. It's selfless. It's, it's mutual submission. It is this thing. If we could find a community that, re, that lived like this, we would all want to be a part of it. Where there is no competition. Nobody fighting over top of each other to get somewhere. Everybody recognizes their rule and they play it. They do it well, and they give themselves completely to whatever the mission and the calling is. God, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, love each other to the nth degree. They are not separate. They are unified, and therefore they can give glory and honor to the other without feeling like something's being taken away from them. But us, we feel like at times if we give honor to somebody, it takes away from what we're doing. I can't usually submit to someone because, you know, I'm the pastor, so I got what I say goes. But God calls me into a body of believers. And there will be a point in time where somebody goes, Aaron, you know, you've you had a really bad attitude yesterday. What's wrong with you? And as a, as a member of that body, I ought to be able to go, yeah, you're, you're, I can be humble because I recognize that's true. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm aware that the grace of God even shines on me, and I have not arrived at a point that I can't be dealt with or that I'm perfect or anything like that. You get that? There's this community that God is. Now, this may seem like far-fetched, but it's not beyond, listen, it's not beyond, it, it, it is not unreasonable, it's beyond reason. It's not against reason, he is beyond reason. Let me explain this to you. If God is truly infinite, how in the world does all that he is fit inside this, inside this little brain right here? And if he can, you should go find another God to serve, honestly. If I, sitting here in front of you, can figure him out completely, your God's not big enough. <laughs> I'm explaining to you that God is who he says he is, even if our brains can't completely wrap around who he is. And if they can't completely wrap around who he is, that's okay because he's God. He is infinite. We are finite. Are you hearing me? He is not, this is not against reason. This is beyond. It's like a step beyond anything Albert Einstein could come up with. Okay? God is bigger than Albert Einstein. God is bigger than pick some sort of smart guy, intelligent dude, and he's, be, he's beyond him. As big as the brain as that guy may have and use, he, he's bigger than him, okay? It's not against reason. So, so, so this is where the doctrine and discipleship collide. I want you to understand something. I want you to get a graphic up here in just a minute that kind of relates to that. Look, look at this. God the Father is, is God. God the Spirit is God. God the Son is God. But the Father's not the Spirit, and the Spirit's not the Son, and the Son's not the Father. The Father's not the Son, and the Father's not the Spirit. And the Son's not the Spirit, and the Spirit's not the Son. But they all exist as God together. Okay, are you tracking with me so far? At least your heads go, okay, I kind of get that. I don't completely understand it, but I understand the verbiage, okay? Just go like that. Go, yes. Now, here's the cool thing, all right? We've been studying these things about shape. Look at this. God the Father has always wanted us to walk with him. Always. Calling us up to himself. God the Son comes to earth and invites us in to the community of faith through, through his blood on the cross. When he's done doing his mission for his three and a half years, he, he walked and did that. He lived here for 33 and some odd months, 33 years and some odd months. The Holy Spirit comes and says, and now I'll empower you to be witnesses and go out and change the world. So right here in this little idea of who God is, we find that we have our purpose for our relationships. That first we get our up going correctly. Second, we, we get in to the body of Christ by the salvation of God. And then he constantly uses us to reach out towards other people. Listen, 
to explain it to you for you this way. In eternity past, there was this being. He was completely love, completely truth, completely life. He existed as God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. And they love, they, they didn't just love each other, they were love together. And they, they sat at a, in, in a community there. The father would, would say things like, I give all my glory to the son. And the son would say things like, all I do, I do because it's the father's will. I don't say anything unless I hear the father saying it. And the spirit would say, son, you're the Lord. You're the reason that life exists. This, the, the, spirit, the father would say, spirit, you're the one who empowers my creation. You're the one. And they, they were mutually submissive and mutually loving. And they, they sat together. And there was ultimate trust and ultimate care and ultimate concern for what was good for the other pieces of the puzzle. And this God, realizing that love can only be loved once it's given away, determined that at one point in time, they would do something really neat together. They would create. They'd make a creation that they could give love away to. In, in Genesis chapter 1, 26, you'll find that the Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image. And so God, the community that existed before everything else was there, and the one that created everything that we see, looked at this thing called human, humankind he made him in his image. Although man was not God, he wasn't nearly as glorious or as illustrious as the God that created him. He was made in the image of. And God invited man to come sit at the table. And there was this beautiful thing. See, God had made another creation, angels and things in heaven. And there already, been, already tried to be an uprising that somebody else could be this. What these three guys, what these three were. He said, I will be like God. God said, no, can't be, not going to be, can't do it. He's cast aside, and he finds his way in to get close to this creation. And he says, you want to be like him too? I can help you be like him. And where man had once walked in this garden with God, perfect humility, perfect union, perfect love, perfect trust, Suddenly, man determines that he can be like this. Takes upon himself to rise up in pride, eat something he's not supposed to eat. And what happens is, is man is then kicked from the table. But see, God in his infinite wisdom, he, he was omnipotent. Therefore, the, the first upheaval with Satan was unable to be accomplished because God is all powerful. But God is not just all powerful, he is all knowing. And so he creates this plan. Man is not going to make it. Man is going to mess things up. And so he says these words. God the Son, you are the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. They've done what we expected them to do. They're not perfect as we are. They're only made in our image. They're not, they're not exactly like us. They're just image bearers of us. We're going to do something to remedy this thing. And so God the Son, on a mission from the rest of the Godhead, leaves the communion. He comes and he walks and he lives right beside this creation. He experiences everything that they can experience. The scriptures say at one time, he didn't consider his equality with God something to be hung on to. He came out of it. We'll read that in a little bit. And he walked as man. He talked as man. He lived as man, although he was yet still God. And it came down to it after, after 33 years of life and three and a half years of ministry that he had done all he was supposed to do in his time here on this planet. And he approaches a place called the cross. And all of the things that man had done that brought mistrust, that had brought confusion, all the things man had done that had disrupted family and life 
Everything that, that caused mistrust and, and betrayal and all of that stuff, just like it happened in the garden, everything that happened, the Bible tells us that God the Son took that upon himself. And at that moment, as God the Son takes on the sin of the world, the Bible tells us that the Godhead went like that. Jesus utters from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time, the Godhead experienced true separation, true to fix the breach, to fix the problem. It was just momentary because at that moment, the, 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 the temple, the, the shroud in the temple that separated God from man was ripped. Jesus goes into a tomb. He comes out in two days. Time? On the third day he comes out, he goes back to heaven, and everything is as how it should have been. But here's the difference. Because Jesus took on the sin of the whole world, man then has a place at the table again. This is cool, man. Because now the up is right. The in is right. But see, if this is so good, I get to sit here. In communion with God, I get to experience his grace and his truth. I get to experience his life and his love. I get to walk in community with him. But you know what? If that's really the case, I got to get some other people involved in this. I mean, I'm a married guy, and I have this wife, you know? Holy smoke. She's got to get on this. Oh, my goodness. So we join the table together. And it's cool. It's awesome. Until she does something to make me angry. I can't believe you guys put up with her. I mean, does she even really get it? I mean, things were going so well. I mean, she didn't understand what I say. She didn't get what I'm doing. She didn't get anything about what's going on here. Man, I, I don't even understand. I mean, can you, I can't believe you guys just put up with all. What? You, you mean I, I make you feel like she, she makes me feel? And you let me sit at the table anyway? Why don't you come back up here? See, being in this community thing, if it's just merely churchianity, I can just show up at church. You make me mad, all I got to do is sit on the other side of the church from you. And it can be just me and God and me, and I don't have to worry about what you're doing. But see, God calls us to more than just coming to church. He calls us in the community. Are you hearing me? He calls us to be a family. And so there's got to be space here because God exists as community. We are to be the embodiment of him on this planet. The Bible says that God, that Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and then he leaves and leaves his body here to be the exemplification of that. You hear, are you hearing what I'm saying? So this whole idea that who God is is very important to how we believe what we believe. Either we're a community or we're not. Either God is who he says he is or we're not. Either we're exemplifying his character or we're not. Can this be a place of total love? I hope so. Can this be a place of mutual submission? I hope so. Can this be a place where we don't care who gets the glory? I hope so. Can this be a place where we just reach towards the one because Jesus reached towards us? I hope so. Are we willing to make space at the table regardless of what goes on so we can get other people in here? I hope so, because that's what it's all about. See, there's, there's more great chairs in the world that have to find a place at the table. You see what I'm saying? And even if there's not more, we'll make some more space, and we'll get another one. Because this, this is ministry. This is the kingdom. It's a community. And aren't any of us on this side of the equation perfect? This part is. This part makes up for our weakness. In our weakness, he is made strong. And so we can live together in community. We get to interact with him. And we get the privilege of being him with other people. Let his spirit flow through us. Let his love extend through us. Let his will be perpetuated through us. Is that amazing? We'll never be perfect. We'll never have it all sorted out. But we do get the amazing privilege 
of exemplifying him on this planet. Because he is love. Because he is community. And all he's ever wanted was other people to experience other the others of creation to experience his community together. Isn't that beautiful? You ever miss that? I mean, you get, we get completely past that, don't we? We lose sight of the, 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 the character of God is completely essential to who we are, to what we believe. And if he is one and can live in that environment and he empowers us, then we can too. We can show people what it really looks like. So I, I, I'm, I'm amazed that we can take something that it, it just gets past us. This belief has sustained us throughout Christian history. You go back to Genesis 1. Listen to these words. In the beginning, God, Elohim, that's the word there, the multiple and one thing, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. Then God said, speaking words, let there be light. Which is really cool because in John 1 1, you find these words. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. Genesis 1 1 talks about God creating, the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the and God speaking. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He created everything. He gave life to everything. And later it would say, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. God, the Son. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. All at the beck and call, God the Father. Now, listen, it doesn't just stop there. John 14, you find Jesus saying words like this. Verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me, all right? Verse 10, he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. And then he goes on in verse 15, if you, if you love me, you obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it is looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. That's beautiful. Jesus himself gives acknowledgement that there's, that God the Father is, is the one that he, he gives his whole self to. And that God the Spirit will one day take everything Jesus the Son started and will make it even better. Isn't that amazing? John 16 reads like this, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refused to believe in me. Many people believe in a higher entity. That will not keep them from heaven. What will keep them from heaven is they don't believe in God the Son. Are you hearing me? Those are the script words of the Scripture, not my words. Okay? Righteousness is available because I go to the Father. Now, in some schools of thought, they're all just Jesus and the Spirit and everything. It's just all one thing. But according to the Bible, that's not, I mean, how can Jesus go to himself? I mean, Judgment, will, be, judgment will, be, will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Look, think about Jesus' baptism. We did baptisms last week in this community of faith. We had baptisms because we followed the, the, the paradigm. We followed the, the, the mode that Jesus gave us to follow, right? He comes and gets baptized. And in Matthew 3, you'll find these words. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, and the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So we got God the Son in the water. God the Spirit descending down like a dove. Now check this out. And a voice from heaven saying, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great glory. Can't be this. Can't have ice, liquid, and gas simultaneously happen at the same time. Impossibility. But there's God the Son in the water being assembled by God the Holy Spirit, being spoken of by God the Father out of heaven. Wow. 
And this Godhead who exists in complete community, complete submission, complete love, complete trust, keeps asking us to come and join him through the gateway of God the Son. The doorway is him. The way we have access to the table is because of God the Son at work in our lives. This has sustained us through everything. Church triumphant has withstood much because we hold to, hold to the Hold to the fact that God is, who is community, draws us to community with himself and one another. That's why there has been a congregation of people who have existed for nearly 200 years. Because we give credence to that fact, there is, this, there is this God who loves us. He draws us to himself, and he wants us to exemplify his character in the world. That is why. Have we always done it perfectly? No. But the reason this thing keeps going on, regard, you can change faces, change times, change locations, change tactics, change carpet color, change wall color, change, change technology that you're using, change, change the parking lot, change the home group you go to, change any of that. You know why? Because that's the one thing that matters. And we better never let go of that. What we, he draws us to himself. Our God doesn't change. He doesn't do things just flippantly. He, he is who he is. He doesn't change. He's a, Malachi says he's the Lord our God. He changes not. It would be written later that, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm say this. Because he doesn't change, his mission doesn't change. Second Peter describes this, that he is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. Come to repentance. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That mission does not change. It is the basis, it is the foundation for everything. Everything that we do, everything that we are, is based in this fact that there is this God who exists. He is a community in and of himself. And even though they're three distinct persons, they all are God. And I don't understand completely how that, how that works. Don't, don't ask me to try and figure it out because I don't know. I know I'm created in the image of God. That's why these gray chairs are here. I kind of I resemble him. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a triune being. I have a body. I possess a soul, but I am a spirit at my core. This body sometimes will break down. The battleground exists right here. The spirit of me is the part that was dead before Jesus came into the picture. I was dead in my trespass and sin. The spirit of me was dead, separated from God. The godlike piece of me did not even exist until Jesus' blood was applied to my life. Then I came alive. Now, the battle that I fight right now is right here. Do I believe him or do I not believe him? 2 Corinthians 10 says that, that, that we're given spiritual weapons that are of great power to pull down arguments and strongholds, everything that rises up against the knowledge of God. And so right here, my problem as a, as a three-dimensional being is this. My, my soul, my mind, my will, my intellect gets sometimes messed up. If I'm emotionally out of whack, I don't do too well. If I have an issue with my will, I don't do too well. If my thinking is all screwed up, I don't do too well. And I, I keep washing my mind with the word of God because I want to be as near to him as I can possibly be. But one day, this body is going to completely give out. And one day, it's going to lay in a grave. But my spirit, my soul will go on because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But in one glorious moment, Jesus is going to sound a trumpet, going to look at, going, going to look at an angel and go, hey, it's time. The Bible says the, 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 the trumpet blast of the archangel is going to go off. There's going to be a shout from heaven. And all of us who are alive We'll, be, we'll, we'll lose, lose track of gravity, or gravity will lose track of us. But we will not prevent those who have gone on ahead of us. The Bible says their, their bodies will spring up out of the grave, and their bodies, their souls, and their spirits will be gloriously reunited in front of God and in front of us. We will be changed into his likeness and his image, and we will live forever in heaven. Everything will be made new. Oh, my goodness. No, my, my mind will have no more problems. My body will have no more problems. Huh? My spirit has been alive ever since I gave myself to Christ, has been doing fine. But my mind and my, my soul, my, 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 my body has problems. That's why in the great commandment, listen to this, listen to the great commandment. What does the great commandment say? 
You shall love your God with all your heart. Talking about the innermost part. All your soul and all your strength. Everything that's out here. That's why it's written that way. Because God, this community, created me in his image. I can get my heart into it. I can get my, my, my soul into it, my mind. I got to get my body into what he's doing. You understand that? That's free. His message doesn't change. What he asks us to do is follow him. I read this in a commentary this week talking about this thing, and I want to read it to you. God's intention revealing himself as a unique triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is not that we might formulate doctrines of the Trinity and engage in endless arguments about them, those are these next words. Rather, it is to prepare the way for him to dispense himself into us according to his eternal purpose. No, wait. Therefore, let us turn from the way of mental analysis, which has led either to heretical extremes of modalism or tritheism, or to a rigid and lifeless orthodoxy, and turn to the way of receiving in simple faith the whole revelation of the triune God in the pure word of the Bible and of appropriating him in spirit as our life and our enjoyment. See, the whole purpose of this is not for us to start drawing lines. Okay, you're on this side, you're on this side. The purpose of the whole thing is for us to go, God is awesome. I want to give my whole self to him. If he really is all that, I mean, I've been looking for a community that, that, that operates like that all my life. I've been looking for a place where I can be accepted for who I am. I'm looking for a place where I can be accepted for, 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 in spite of myself. I'm looking for a place where, where I can give absolute trust to someone and know it's not thrown away. I want, I want to be able to be in a place where, where, where I, can, I can be forgiven of all that, I, that I've done. I want to be in a place where there's access for me and I can get things together. See, this kind of thing is not for the weak of heart. Let me say this. Come on, jump back here. See, this community thing isn't easy. This idea of submission, this idea of humility, this idea of love is not easy. It's the hard way. We can play church and not be a community. Because you see, if somebody ticks me off, this is easy. It's me, us four, and no more. But see, if I want to live like God lived, I blew up a chair. Oh, boy. Here, here's a sermon illustration for you. Got to help mend what's broken. Will you forgive me? Because I'm a jerk sometimes. I know you're not perfect, but I want to, I want to please this God with all my heart. And somehow we need each other to get where we're going. And I know it's not going to be easy because I'm really hard to live with. And at times you really are too. So can we get it together so we can be what he wants us to be? Can we do that? Can, can, you, can you walk with me? Help me get strong where I'm weak. Can you help me? Can you, I'll, and I'll help you where I see things going. Can, can, we, can we work together? Can, can you feel, feel free to call me on some things? Because you know what? I need all the help I can get. See, that's not easy. It'd be easy for me just to sit back in a corner somewhere and just do my own thing. What about who else is around? But you see, God calls us to more than that. He calls us to be, to be one who mends lives that are broken. To put, put them back together so they can sit at the table. That's what he calls us to do. And that's not easy. Philippians chapter 2. Says this, you, have, you should have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. It's okay for me to let go of this for a moment, he says. Come down to where they are. One day I'll get back up in there. He trusted, he trusted God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit that they would cover bases and help him walk through this thing. And he mutually submitted to them. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So we got God, the son, letting go of his equality for a moment. Submitted to God, the God, the rest of the Godhead. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and earth the earth. 
And, at the to- and at every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, see, it's this mutual submission thing. God the Father says, this is the one whose name you should call on. And Jesus says, because you call on my name, I give you access. No, this is the other way. I give you access to him. And the power of him will be made available to you. And you get to walk out this life with us. So here's the deal. You will confess Jesus as Lord. Every, every person sitting here right now, every person who's ever breathed the breath of life on this planet, every person who's ever been created, every person one day will confess Jesus as Lord. And you'll either do it willingly or you'll do it begrudgingly. Every tongue's going to do that. If you do it now, it becomes a celebration for you when you get a chance to acknowledge that. If you wait till then, there's nothing much ahead for you. Terror. Horror. Because he's, he, at that point, he, 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 he's not just the Savior. He's the judge. And none of us want to live in that place. You can confess him now or you, you'll, you'll, do it, you'll do it eventually. Here's the other thing. The whole Godhead will receive glory at that moment. We'll get to be in communion with them for the rest of our days. He, our God, will be in front of us. He will be the light that shines. There will be no sun. There will be no darkness. He will be the center of everything. Man, I can't wait. What you believe about God shapes what you think. What we think shapes our practices, how we live, and where our future is. We can, live in some, we can live in community, submission, trust, honor of one another, of God. Or we can live something else. Everything that we want to be here at Church Triumphant exists because of this. We want to be a community that has a submissive spirit to the will of God and to one another. The one another's, listen, the one another's Jesus told us and Paul wrote all about have its basis in this idea right here. Because when, they th- when God tells us to one another each other, I don't know if that even makes sense. It's because the Godhead is already actively doing that. And they're asking us, God is asking us to, 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 to begin to exemplify who he is. Love one another. Bear one another's burdens. All those things. All those one another's you read in Scripture, forgive one another. Pray for one another. All that stuff has its basis because God is a community. He's one. But he's, there's this submission. There's this love. There's this grace. There's this power that's available. Humble obedience is the key. This is, this is not for the weak. This is for the, the ones who want to grow in the strength of God. Humble, humble obedience is the key to all of it. I want you to understand something. You are made in the image of God. And you can continue to grow in that image or you continue to be who you are. You can live your life off over here somewhere. Or you can join the table. You're made in his image. He wants more of his image to be seen in you. We, we, we can be assured that if we, uh, if we take what we believe, We'll discover our purpose. And you know what our purpose will translate into? Change lives. A change world. A change community. 